The following talk was given by Bear Gokon Bonnebacher at Zen Mountain Monastery. Gokon is a senior monastic and dharma holder in the Mountains and Rivers Order. He serves as director of operations at Zen Mountain Monastery and also helps run the National Buddhist Prison Sangha. This talk, like all of our talks, is given free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. From the Eight Awarenesses of the Bodhisattva, Not Forgetting Right Thought. Dogen says, this is also called maintaining right thought. Protecting the Dharma and not losing it means right thought or not forgetting right thought. The Buddha says, if you practitioners seek both a good teacher and good protection and support, nothing is better than not forgetting right thought. For those who do not forget right thought, the robber-like multitude of deluding passions cannot break in. For this reason, you should always keep right thought in your mind and regulate it well. For if you lose this thought, all sorts of merits and virtues will also be lost. If the power of this thought is strong and firm, then even though you mingle with the robber-like five desires, you will not be injured. Just as if you go into battle dressed in armor, you will not fear the enemy. This is the meaning of not forgetting right thought. Dogen says, right thought means protecting the Dharma and not losing it. The Dharma doesn't need protection in itself. Do we need protection? Are we looking for protection? Does the Dharma protect us? How is it that we can lose the Dharma? So this right thought in the Eightfold, eightfold Path Right thought is often translated as right intention. Right intention is to cultivate harmlessness and goodwill instead of aggression and ill will. To practice letting go, non-attachment, rather than greed, wanting, grasping. Right intention might be understood as the intention to live in harmony to live in accord with the Dharma. And so this right intention of understanding of right thought brings our awareness to intention. Ask that question, what is your intention? How do we want to use our life, use our mind? Do we see that the, our intention matters? Maizumi Roshi comments on these teachings of the Eight Awarenesses. And in his commentary, this right thought is really closer to um, right understanding or right view in the Eightfold Path. He says, don't forget that we are the three treasures. Don't forget that you are complete, that you are Buddha. Remember to be one with the three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. He says, this is our greatest protection. How is that protection? 
Mizumi Roshi translates this not forgetting right thought as don't forget the mind of this very moment. Don't forget beginner's mind. And so, also pointing us towards right mindfulness, there is an important aspect of mindfulness that is remembering. Remembering to practice. Remembering where you are. Remembering what your intention is. Don't forget. Don't forget the Dharma. Don't forget you're complete. It's kind of great ongoing challenge of practice to remember to practice. Don't forget. And there are also presentations of right thought that are right thinking, acknowledging the power, the influence of our thoughts. It matters what we think, it matters how we use our mind. Thought creates karma, thoughts lead to action, thoughts have an effect. And to be careful with this presentation of right thought, how is it that there is right thinking and wrong thinking, right thoughts and wrong thoughts? This is a true teaching that we can easily misunderstand, misuse, misapply. How do we meet our thoughts, work with our thoughts? Thoughts are just thoughts. All thoughts are just thoughts. They do not make us good or bad. And to see clearly, see how thoughts have an effect, how much they affect us, our thoughts affect us. To see the thoughts that you have, See that you can let them go, that they do not need to have the power they seem to have. So this not forgetting right thought, there's a lot in here. So I've been working on this over some weeks. I found it helpful, almost um, like a Lojong phrase that we were studying this fall. Don't forget, don't forget. When I see that I'm forgetting, what am I forgetting? Come back. The Buddha says, for those who do not forget right thought, the robber-like multitude of deluding passions cannot break in. If the power of this thought is strong and firm, then even though you mingle with the robber-like five desires, you will not be injured the robber-like deluding passions, the robber-like five desires. The deluding passions, grasping and aversion, our reactivity. He's speaking about the kleshas, our difficult emotions, confusing emotions, disturbing emotions, strong emotions, pride and jealousy and anger and desire the deep habitual patterns we have around some of these. There is a multitude 
There's usually a list of five, but they are a multitude. And they're robber-like. This is a common um, kind of um, expression in the teachings because of the way they seem to sneak in without us seeing. How did they get in? Where did they come from? But they're there. It's taken over. I think it was last week in his talk, Shugen Roshi talked about the Kleshas as being like bullies. Right? Just another way of, of seeing like they just push their way in. So bullies, thieves, and just ways of explaining, trying to express this experience that we all have. When a strong emotion takes over, a state of mind has become our state. What's happened? What has been forgotten? And the five desires is another list. A way of helping us to see. And again, we can recite recite the list of five, but they are a multitude. They are endless as we chant. And desire can also be like a thief, often connected, overlapping, working together with the glaciers. The way that desire can seem to take over, just be, seem inevitable. It's like you take another one without even thinking about it, or you look again without even thinking about it. Did you make a choice? It's hard to see sometimes. And how did that happen? Where is that power? Sometimes it seems like it's in the object, it's in the thing. Is it? Where is it? And again, in that moment, when you pick it up again without even thinking about it, What has been forgotten? And so we all know this experience of forgetting, forgetting to practice, kind of losing touch with where we are, with what we're doing. What happens when we forget, fall into habit, fall into distraction, fall into negative thoughts, fantasy. This teaching is calling our attention to that. What has been forgotten? Your intention. Don't forget. Your dharma understanding, your understanding of your mind. Don't forget. Don't forget who you really are. I was remembering Um, many years ago, early in my practice, um, I think it was in the first year that I was here, asking Shugen, who was, I don't think, even sensei at that time, about depression. I'd actually asked another teacher, I was remembering this, I'd asked another, or another, a senior student about it, 
because um, I was struggling. And they said, go talk to Shugan. He's really studied mind really closely. And I was struggling and kind of lost in despair at times. And, um, but also practicing, and through practice, starting to, be, to have a question. Starting to have an inkling, well, what's happening? What's happening when this happens? When the fog rolls in? Is there something that I can do? Is there some way that I'm involved? And I remember he just said, really be on it. Really be on it. As soon as you have, as soon as you see it starting, really be on it. Depression is one of the multitudes. It is robber-like. It sneaks in before you know what's happening. And then it's just become, it's like become who you are. It's become true. That's just how the world is. It can be hard to see. It can be hard to see when these states of mind come in, to see that they are states of mind, to see that they're kleshas, that they are a mind state, overwhelm, self-doubt, criticism, fear and arrogance, complaining, irritation, shutdown, numb, distraction, So these different barriers that we encounter, this advice to really be on it is helpful, it's important. And so in Zazen, just a few minutes ago, Kian was saying something similar, right? So when sleepiness comes in, to really be on it, can you see it as it's starting? When that familiar story picks up again, can you see that it's starting? Where did it come from? What's happening? If you can see it, how do you meet it? Can you see that you have a choice? That you're involved? That you're encouraging that thought, that line of thought? Can you see the way that the mind kind of settles down into that story. If you can see that, how about opening up? How about giving some space around that thought? Allowing some space, not getting involved, not encouraging. See that you can let go and being right on it, seeing it as its beginning, don't forget. Don't forget your intention. There is in Zazen this simple practice, just seeing and letting go. 
seeing the mind, letting go of whatever arises, returning to your practice, settling, settling, seeing. Which I have learned to really trust. I think I've really trusted it somehow from from the beginning, the simple, direct, meeting the mind. And there are also other ways of working with the mind. Again, years ago, working with Daida Roshi, my first teacher, working with him, um, sometimes it seems like all I ever went into Dokusan with was my self-criticism, my struggle with self-criticism. And just once he said, why don't you try substituting one thought for another? When you have a negative thought about yourself, bring in a positive thought. Say something nice to yourself. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Because it didn't seem real to me. I was like, well, that's just... You know, I kind of, I know that the negative thought isn't true, but then I'm just bringing in something else. That's not really true either, was what I said. And he was, he just said, okay, so don't do it. (laughs) But this is one of the Buddha's teachings. This is a teaching around right thought, right intention. So cultivating harmlessness, goodwill, non-attachment, loosening our ill will, our aggression, our attachment. In a sense, substituting one kind of thought for another. Shukin Roshi over the last some years has brought in some of these ancient teachings the Four Measurables, which we um, chant every morning. I realize many of you don't know that that's somewhat new. But this practice, it is a practice. Chanting the Measurables and holding in your mind as you chant people, groups of people, so that you're sending these desires, these wishes to them. He has brought in this practice of sending and receiving. So in the mind, breathing in someone else's suffering, their anxiety, their pain, and breathing out to them, equanimity, peace. And I don't know that I would have been ready to take these up much earlier, but I have been and seeing how they um, are transformative, how they change me, my mind. And I think there's a way in which they're just making more explicit what we have always been practicing, that there's a way in which they have been present in our practice of taking responsibility. Zazen is taking responsibility. Atonement. 
Bhikkhu Bodhi in talking about metta practice or giving and receiving practice says the cause for the endless competition, conflict, injustice, and impression, oppression does not lie outside the mind. Tadaroshi used to talk about taking responsibility for the whole catastrophe. Taking responsibility. In the liturgy that I do before sitting in the morning, I do the Gotha of Atonement, and I've been saying, may, um, after that, may greed and aggression be resolved in me. My greed and aggression, and greed and aggression. And exploring ways of meeting my mind, meeting ways of turning my mind, that are gentle. In a previous talk, I said something about how I'd been worried about my mother, who was having some serious health issues. And seeing the worry, seeing the just sort of turning, churning in my mind, worry. And then at one point I just said, may she be well. May she be well. And it's it like, cut through, released. Better for everyone than my worrying. Looking at other ways of using that practice. So seeing when I am being critical of someone else, judging someone else, the story of that in my mind, and just offering, may they be well. May they be well. Don't forget. It's better for everyone. What have I forgotten? When those are the thoughts. When I see that, again, I am lost in some, or just repeating some kind of inconsequential blah-de-blah, bringing in some dharma, What is it? Asking. In a sense, substituting one thought for another. Turning the mind. Not forgetting. The Buddha says, if the power of this thought is strong and firm, then even though you mingle with the robber-like five desires, you will not be injured. Just as if you go into battle dressed in armor, you will not fear the enemy. So how is it that not forgetting right thought protects us? I thought, I kind of appreciated my Zumi Roshi questions some of this language. Ask, what what is this armor? Who is this enemy? Is there an enemy? Who are we fighting? Who are we protecting ourselves from? Because thoughts are not our enemy. It's not helpful to fight with our thoughts, to fight with our habits. We don't actually need to be afraid of our emotions, whatever they are. 
And so in a way, looking even more closely here, when the thieves start to sneak in, what is it? What's there? Maizumi Roshi says we have to understand that there's no need to wear armor or protect ourselves from anything. But the thieves are breaking in. He says, just be one with Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. In other words, really be yourself. And so this is the fifth of the eight awarenesses. And in each of these, in his commentary, this is where he comes down. This fundamental knowing who we truly are. Knowing who we truly are. In this text that I've been using, um, Maizumi Roshi comments, and then there is further commentary from his student, um, Tetsugen Sensei at the time. And he has this to say about the three treasures. I found this really helpful and um, something that I hadn't, a way that I hadn't really encountered before. He says, Buddha is the unity, the fact that there is only one thing. Dharma is the multiplicity of phenomena, the fact that there are numberless things, numberless beings, and each one of them, each one of us, is different. And the Sangha is the harmony, the intimacy, the fact that unity and difference exist simultaneously without interfering with one another. Altogether, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha are just different ways of talking about the one reality, which is nothing but ourselves, nothing but our life. And so that we're not supposed to forget that is the teaching. Don't forget that. Which is interesting because in a way it's asking us to forget something that we may not yet know. Do we know? Actually? That we are complete? Can we allow ourselves to really know that? So we're here this weekend. We have this opportunity to practice in this intensive, direct way. Turning to meet our own mind. This is where it's most direct. And so to allow some of these questions. What is your intention? How do you want to use your mind? Learning to see your mind, actually meet the mind, your mind, and see what's happening. How do you meet that? Can you see clearly and be gentle with what you meet? When you get lost, we do get lost. Noticing that, seeing that, kind of learning to know how it is that you get lost. And when you notice, not to criticize, but see, be gentle, see 
and see how it is. How do you feel then? Is that what you want? When you do let go, return to the mind of this very moment, how is that? Just present with the breath, simple and direct. How is that? To see that for yourself. Allow yourself to experience that. So let's be diligent together. Don't forget. Thanks so much for listening. For meditation supplies such as cushions, incense, liturgical instruments, Dharma books, and more, visit monasterystore.org. Support for your spiritual practice at home.